This podcast is a production of Journey, a church community inspiring people to live big. For more information, please visit cincyjourney.org. Good morning. My name is Joe Merrick. I'm the lead pastor here at Journey. And man, we are thrilled that you are here with us today. Uh, excited about a new year, starting a brand new series here at Journey called DNA. We're going to talk about that in just a couple of minutes. But before we get into that, let me just encourage everyone uh, to reach into the seat back in front of them. And in there, you can find a Connect card. Uh, Connect card is something that we desire to have from every family here, at least one. It's a great way for you just to let us know that you're here, what's going on. You can share prayer requests, uh, volunteer, uh, do multiple things on your Connect card. So please take a moment today, fill that out, and you can drop it back, uh, drop it in the offering bags at the end of our time together. Uh, and uh, uh, we're going to do that at the end of our service today. Uh, before we jump in, I want to take just a moment and share some exciting news. If you remember back in November, uh, last November, we came to you and said, hey, we were doing some uh, budgeting, projecting. We were looking out into the next year, and we're going, we have a shortfall that we didn't see and uh, we're not sure how we're going to make it. Uh, and so what we said was, hey, what we want to do over the last several years, we've, had, we've done this above and beyond campaign. We usually have a goal of about $30,000, uh, but it, we, the last several years we've taken in $20,000. And uh, what we want to do is we want to tr- challenge ourselves to double that 20, and we want to make it 40. And uh, honestly, I didn't know how we were going to get there. It was one of those things where we kind of laid it out. I spent a lot of time just praying, saying, God, if this is your will, if this is what you want, uh, I don't know how we're going to do it. This is beyond me, uh, but we're going to trust you. And so I have the total today. Uh, As of uh, this morning, uh, our 2019 Above and Beyond campaign, so that's uh, end of year gifts for for last year and some pledges uh, for the following year, totals $41,710. Can we just celebrate? that for a moment. Uh, Just praise God for saying, hey, we believe in you, and uh, thank you for uh, uh, joining in with that. Um, So thank you so much for joining us and uh, just making a way where we didn't see that sometimes that's what God calls us to do, is to step out in faith, and it is wonderful when we are met there. So let me just pray for us, and then we'll jump in this morning. God, first, we want to just celebrate you. Celebrate you for your greatness. Celebrate you for your goodness. God, we want to celebrate you for meeting needs. God, we had a need, a financial need that we didn't know how we were going to make. We set a goal. It was bigger than we'd ever gotten before. Uh, It was bigger than we knew how we could get there to. And God, you made a way. You worked in people's lives, and you helped us reach that goal. And God, we just celebrate that this morning. We say thank you. We say thank you for all those who got involved. We say thank you to you, God, for your leading and your guiding and your goodness of being with us. In your name we pray. Amen. 
All right. Well, with that kind of exciting news shared this morning, I uh, wanted to take just a couple of minutes and talk about our DNA series getting kicked off uh, this week. I did some Googling this week trying to understand what DNA was. Uh, chemistry was a long time ago. A lot of phrases looked familiar. Uh, uh, but, you know, I, I'm not sure I understood most of it, uh, but I'm going to give you quick, quick rundown, right? So DNA creates this thing called RNA, which is like DNA, but shorter, uh, and uh, then RNA uh uh, mixes with proteins, and proteins make cells, and cells make up tissues and bones and us. All right, so you're not going to pass any chemistry class uh, with that description there. But a couple of important things get pointed out to us in that brief description. Number one, DNA is kind of the basic building block of life. It's the blueprint of life. And number two, it's power. Its power comes from reproducing, from reproducing itself. We're not going to talk about cells and any of that anymore. That was truly the extent of my knowledge there. Uh, but what we see is there's DNA in our faith. There's DNA in our faith. It's, uh, there are foundational parts of faith that we need to reproduce. We need to reproduce in our hearts. We need to reproduce in our life. We need to reproduce in our church. First one that we're going to be talking about today is seeking God first. Seeking God first. Now, that comes as no surprise that an essential part, right, of um, an essential part of a life with God is a desire to know God and be known by God. It's not surprising. The tricky part, tricky part is that third word. That third word, seek God first. Seek him first. That's where we begin to lose people. Above everything else, above every other desire, more than anything else in this world, seek God first. That is an essential part of being a believer, of following after Jesus. It's in our DNA, our spiritual DNA, to seek God first. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8 says this, Blessed, blessed are the pure in heart. The pure in heart, for they will see God. That is God's standard. That's what he wants for you, for me. He wants us to have pure hearts, but we have so much work to do in that area. Back in the uh, 90s, there was an actor or director named Woody Allen who was famous for this saying, maybe you know it, the heart wants what the heart wants. Now, he's saying that to justify an inappropriate relationship, but his words became a part of our culture became a part of our culture. It became uh, defined not just a, a generation, but multiple generations. And the problem is sometimes the heart wants stuff that isn't good for us. It's not maybe good for our culture. It's not good for uh, our society. And even more than that, the heart wants everything. 
He wants everything. And so uh, we're left divided, confused, run ragged, pulled in a million different directions. Jesus. Jesus has a far different picture, a far different definition of what he wants for your heart and my heart. Jesus says, I want your heart to be pure. I want it to be pure. But what does that mean? Listen to what uh, author and Pastor Brian Wilkerson has to say about a pure heart. The word pure is used about two dozen times in the New Testament, and it suggests two things. First, when we say something is pure, it means that it's free from impurities. It has no contaminants, no germs, no dirt. It's clean. Second, he says, when we say something is pure, we mean it's the same through and through. It's not a mixture of things. It's all one thing. Pure gold has no trace metals in it. It's all gold, only gold. The pure in heart, he says, are people who are free from impurities in the same through and through. They're about one thing and one thing only. They are always about one pursuit, and every part of them is about that one pursuit. The one pursuit they have is God. I love this last part. No matter where they are, no matter what they're doing, no matter who they're with, they put God first. Those are some powerful words. Some powerful words, especially that, that, last, that last line. No matter where they are, whether they're at home, at work, at school, they put God first. When they have a pure heart, when you have a pure heart, you put him first no matter what they are doing. They're spending time with family, teaching uh, kids, working in assembly line. They put God first. No matter who they're with, if they're having coffee with a friend or they're in a heated disagreement, they put God first. In short, the pure in heart, they don't have little compartments in their life. They say, you know, this is my, my kind of work life, and this is my family life, and this is uh, my me time here, and, and this over here, that's where God is. And, and, and you know, when uh, I'm there in that God space, kinda, I, I do the right things, I say the right things, I, I think the right things. When I'm at work, I, I do this because that's what helps me get ahead. And, and when I'm a family, I try, I, I act this way. And, you know, uh, they act differently in the different compartments of their life. No. People with an undivided heart, they're the same through and through. When they have a pure heart, they're the same all the way through. When you look at their life, when you look at their, their week, their month, their year, the way they live and think and treat people is dominated by one question. Does this glorify God? Is this what God wants me to do here in this space now? The 
question they take everywhere with them. Does this honor God? 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7 says this. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance. He's talking about uh, uh, David, who's going to be crowned king, uh, the first king uh, of Israel. For I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Proverbs 3.5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Jeremiah 29.13, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Romans 10.10, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. You're made right with God. It is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. I want to read the Bible. Especially when I look at Jesus' interactions with people, one of the things that always catches me off guard, one of the things that I am continually amazed by is how Jesus looked past so many things that we get caught up in. He didn't look at how people looked, how they appeared. He didn't get caught up in their accomplishments, how successful they uh, seemed to be. He didn't get caught up whether they had the right answers, whether they seemed spiritual, whether they were wealthy. Jesus could look past all of that stuff, and he looked right at their heart. He looked right at their heart. That's what he cared about. Not some persona that people work to display, to put on show for the world. One of the places we see Jesus doing this is in Matthew chapter 15, and he's with the Pharisees, this, this group of religious leaders he's continually had problems with. Let's look at their interaction. First couple of verses in Matthew 15. Some Pharisees and teachers of the religious law, they now arrive from Jerusalem, from uh, where the real religious people were, to see Jesus. And they had a question for him. They asked him, <clears throat> why do your disciples disobey our age-old tradition? For they ignore our tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. And after pointing out some of their inconsistencies, Jesus goes on to say this to them. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, uh, The people honor me with their lips, but their hearts, their hearts are far from me. Far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. Now, this hand-washing business wasn't about germs. It was about spiritual, uh, appearing spiritual, to protect uh, uh, themselves against defilement. The religious leaders in Jesus' day, they developed elaborate systems, elaborate systems of uh, rules and regulations, specifically around washing your hands. 
And the tradition went that uh, the more you washed, the better you washed, the more spiritual you were. But it wasn't just like uh, going to the sink and washing our hands like we think of. It was a ritual. Uh, You stood in front of people and you held your hands up like this and they poured water over your fingers. That was supposed to make you clean. They did that several times a day, way more than was prescribed in Scripture. After doing their ceremonial uh, uh, washing, they they felt like they were spiritual, and, and people looked at them, and they were impressed. But Jesus, Jesus was unimpressed because Jesus looked right past to their hearts. The message uh, translation translates verse 8. These people make a big show of saying the right thing, but their heart isn't in it. They act like they are worshiping me, but they don't mean it. What Jesus was saying uh, to his disciples, to those around him, was this. See, look at these, uh, these Pharisees. There's no consistency Their outer life and their inner life, they don't match. They do all of this for a show. They have clean hands, but dirty hearts. Jesus is reminding us. He's reminding us that when we seek God first in our heart, then our actions, in our attitudes, in our behaviors, in our words, in fact, our whole selves reflect that. That God first spirit that is deep within us. So many times. So many times we try and clean up the outside. We try and put on some kind of show like the Pharisees had. But Jesus makes it clear that he is never fooled. He's never fooled by the the right answers we give, by the show we try and put on, because he sees our heart. And when he sees our heart, what he wants to see is a reflection of him everywhere. Again, Brian Wilkerson Wilkerson describes an undivided heart so well. He says this, when you have an undivided heart, you don't think in terms of God's money and your money, in God's time and your time, Because it's all God's money. It's all God's time. You're not torn between doing God's will or your will, seeking glory or your glory, because God's will becomes your will. And when you glorify him, you're glorified as well. When you have an undivided heart, you don't just pray on Sundays or before meals. You pray your way through the entire day. When you have an undivided heart, your life, one life from the inside out, and you live it for God. You live it for God. 
So how do we do this? How do we have this undivided heart? How do we put God first? If you're taking notes this morning, I have four kind of ways to help us with this. The first is this. We ask for God's help. We declare We declare to ourselves, to God, that what we want most in our life, what we want most in our life is to put him first. And we know uh, we've messed that up for so long. We know we need his help to accomplish that. In short, we pray because we can't do it on our own. We seek God, ask for his help. That's number one. Second thing is to avoid distractions. Uh, uh, There's an author called A.W. Tozer who uh, I've carried this quote for some time around with me. It says this, whatever keeps me from my Bible is my enemy. However harmless it may appear to be, sometimes we've got to look around. We're going to look at our life and our heart and our schedules and see what are those innocent things even that are keeping us from the much better thing, that are keeping us from God. So after we ask for God's help, we avoid distractions. Number three is obey and not just obey, hey, you know what, uh, next week I'm going to kind of get things in order right now, and, and next week, that's when I'm going to start obeying. We obey God today. We obey God today. Numbers chapter 9, verse 23, describes the people of Israel following God in the desert. And it says this, so they camped or traveled at the Lord's command. And they did whatever the Lord told them through Moses. Camped or traveled. So many times we are really good uh, when we're in some moment of transition. We're really quick to pray, God, lead me to that next big thing, that next big step that that I see happening, God. Especially uh, we're good at praying when We have some idea what we want it to be. We say, God, make this happen for me. But our prayer shouldn't be just about our next big step. Not just about the next big step. Our prayer should also be, God, how am I obedient and faithful in where you've placed me today? They camped or traveled. And in both places, They did what God asked them. Guidance for the future often comes from obedience in the present. Number four. Number four is to evaluate and change. As the pastor, one of the things that I get to do with people so often is walk with them as they lose a loved one. And all, as we prepare for the funeral, we'll, we'll get the family together and we'll talk about stories and, and, and how um, people have uh, impacted them and we'll laugh and we'll cry. And I always ask, what did you learn? What did you learn from this person being in your life? And I tell you what, I come home from those conversations and I wonder Years from now, what's 
uh, when my family and my friends are gathered around some pastor and they're sharing stories, what are they going to say? What did I learn from spending years and time with Joe Merrick? The Bible's really clear. One of the first things, one of the first things that should be out of their mouths is he put God first. He put God first. That doesn't happen by just showing up a couple Sundays a year or praying a few prayers or when things get really bad, we kind of get desperate and then we seek God. That happens by deciding to follow him, put him first in our life today and every day from here on out. Let's pray about that today. Lord God, one of the things that you teach us in these verses that we've talked about today, one of the things that is just essential to spiritual DNA, the building block of who we are in you, is that a God-first heart leads to a God-first life. That's what you've been trying to tell the disciples in Matthew 15. When these Pharisees, these religious leaders of the day that, that people pointed to and said, this is how it, you're supposed to follow God. And he says, no. No, they've got all of the, the show. They've got all of this stuff, the rituals, all these pieces. And everybody looks at them and they think they have it all together. But I see their heart. And their heart is not following God. God, we know that you look into every one of our hearts. You look past all of the stuff that we can trick so many other people with. We can trick even ourselves with God. And you see what is really there. And you have one desire of what you want to see. You want to see a reflection of you. God, we know that starts by taking a first step of faith. And so we just want to talk about that first step of faith. God, the first step of faith you teach us in scripture is to always to come to you and confess confess the, the sin, the heartache, the brokenness in our life, in the lives of those around us that we've caused. And God, all we do, all we can do is bring it before you. And say, God, this is what I've produced in my life and I don't want it to be this way anymore. I want you to be in charge. Forgive me of all this stuff, God. Lead me into tomorrow. And you tell us when we pray that prayer that you are faithful. You are faithful to forgive. You're faithful to send your Holy Spirit into our heart. You're faithful to lead us forward. God, if we haven't prayed that prayer, my prayer today is we have the courage 
to follow you. God, you keep stories like this. You put stories like this in the Bible because you want to remind us You want to remind us that it's not just about knowing the right answer or just showing up on a Sunday or just doing a few spiritual things, God. You want a pure heart through and through the same all the way through our life. God, that starts deep within us, desiring to know you more and to put you first. Help that to happen in the hearts of everyone who hears this prayer. In your name we pray.